as we get started. Um, the screen behind us is going crazy this morning. Uh, they had an update to the computer, and apparently the update needs to be updated. Uh, it oh. keeps so it keeps crashing. So there, you may have words at some time, you may not. So you definitely want to grab your uh, notes for this morning in the back because we don't know if it'll be back up on the screen. Uh, please try not to let it distract you. They're going to keep trying to work on it. Oh, I see Mason's ready to give. He's holding up his offering over there. He's ready. Amen. What a blessing. But I just want to say welcome to everyone at CFC. Glad you're here. Uh, those watching online, again, uh, bear with us as our uh, words won't be up on the screen for a while. They may pop up every now and then. Um, but we're in phase two of reopening, so we ask everyone to continue to practice uh, social distancing and use hand sanitizer. And on that note, I just want to uh, thank everybody who was here last week, Pastor Allen, for filling in. And let, let's give him a hand clap and bring in the word last week. Um, just to let you all know, uh, I never had COVID. I had to just be quarantined because my wife uh, had tested positive. She never was at church with it, so don't worry about that. Uh, it was Wednesday before last. She just started feeling a little bad. Thursday, she went to the doctor and tested positive. So that's why we did not come last week. She got treated and cleared up uh, probably by Wednesday, last Wednesday and that thing. So uh, we're out of quarantine, things like that. I never had it. I never was sick. Uh, and like I said, she never was here with it. We never put anybody in jeopardy in that way. Amen. Uh, in those things. And we encourage you to, if you're not feeling good, Please stay home, uh, things or thing, wearing a mask and all that. And again, that's why we don't have Wednesday evening services right now. We're trying to limit the uh, spread. Uh, if you see me keep looking back, I'm just wondering if the screen ever comes back on. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. So uh, let's just uh, remind you to uh, stay up to date on Facebook and all those things that we have. Uh, again, we don't, we don't have the screen to show you all the different things. Uh, new generations will be uh, live streaming, live streaming, uh, premiering their morning service tomorrow night at seven instead of tonight. It's usually Sunday nights, but for this week they're going to do it tomorrow night. So remind your kids to watch on that. Uh, a reminder: Wednesday evenings are canceled until phase three. Want to say happy birthday to anyone having a birthday this week? Anyone in here having a birthday between now and next Sunday? Oh. What about an anniversary? Anyone have an anniversary between now and next Sunday? Yep. Any first-time visitors? We just want to say hello. If you're first-time watching online, hello. Glad to have you here. So what we're going to do this morning, we're going to uh, receive our tithes and offerings. And again, we're going to be in trouble because we don't have uh, the screen up there uh, for you to see these things. But I want to just read. So if you take your offering... I just want to read a couple of verses of scripture. Psalms 1, 1 through 3 says this, Happy are those who reject advice from evil people, who do not follow the example of sinners or join those who have no use for God. Instead, they find joy in obeying the law of the Lord, and they study it day and night. They are like trees that grow beside a stream that bear fruit at the right time and whose leaves do not dry up. They succeed in everything they do. And 2 Corinthians 9.10 says, And God who supplies seed for the sower and bread to eat will also supply you with the seed you need to, and will make it grow and produce a rich harvest from your generosity. 
Oh, hey, hey, there we go. So let's stand to our feet and we're going to say this. Amen. First, let's stretch our hands toward that desk. Father, let's pray, we pray that that computer would stay on and keep working. But if it doesn't, Father God, it's not going to stop us from worshiping and praising you today. Amen. So take your offering, hold it in your right hand, and repeat after me as I give in today's offering. I pray that God will guard my path and help me to walk in his ways and obey his principles all the days of my life. Let my life be fruitful and impacting. Let my giving be governed by the word of God. And let my life be blessed with good fruit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So if you would, practice in social distancing. Try to stay six feet apart. We have three baskets along the front. As we, uh, we ask you just to come on up, place your offering in one of the baskets. Amen. for this month is going to be uh, from Hebrews chapter 13 verse 15 where it says let us then always offer praise to God as our sacrifice through Jesus which is the offering presented uh, by the lips that confess him as Lord Father we just come before you today and Father I t uh, turn over this entire service to you today Father I ask that your will be done in this service Father, I ask that your spirit move in this place, Father God, touching the lives of each and every one in the sound of my voice, Father, as we come to worship you, Father God. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone says, Amen, Amen. Let's stand to our feet in worship. Amen.
hear it from you this morning. I want to hear your soul. I want to hear your words. I don't want to hear the words on the screen, but I want to hear your heart. I want to hear your heart this morning. Oh, sing out a love song. Jesus, I love you. Oh, I love you. I love you, Jesus. You are worthy. You are holy. There is none like you. Oh, Lord, there is none like you. come to your mind. Whatever it is that you feel about Jesus, just sing it out. This is your love song to him. This is your song to him. This is your personal song to him. Sing it out. Sing it out. Sing out your worship. Come on, sing
because we know that the love of Jesus changes everything. Lord, I just ask you to bring love, your love, Jesus, your love in every single heart. In every single heart today, God, that the love of Jesus would just come and infiltrate each and every person. Lord, that we would just overflow, overflow in your love today, Jesus. Oh, God, because we need you. We need you as a church. We need you as a nation. We need you as a body. We need you as an individual. We need you in every way, shape, and form, Jesus, to just come. To just come and flood the earth, oh, God. Jesus. Lord, I don't have fancy words. I'm just asking you to come. We need your spirit. We need your presence, oh God. We just need you to come, Jesus. Come and flood the earth. Winds of revival, come and flood every single heart, every single believer.
you, Jesus. Shadow, you won't light up. Mountain, you won't climb up. 
give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. Amen. Yeah, I think that old saying, when somebody reads your mail, you ever heard that? Uh, they read your mail, it's like they know where they're going. I think uh, Aliska read my sermon this morning. Somehow she got hold of it because the songs couldn't match better to what God wants to do. Amen. I believe that that's still all confirmation of what God's trying to do for each and every one of us. Amen. So before you sit down, let's just give the Lord one more hand clap of praise. Amen. Go ahead and dismiss our kids, three, four, and five, to their class this morning. Amen. Amen. How many of you is glad to be in the house of the Lord? Amen. Boy, I really missed it last week. Uh, it didn't feel right. I, I, I wanted to be here so bad. I was feeling so good and but I, I didn't, you know, they, I had to be on lockdown, I called it, lockdown. <laughs> uh, but how many of you know, or how many of you have ever had a second chance in life? Right? We all had second chances in life. How many of you are glad for second chances? How many, really, and when you really think about it, uh, when Jesus says we need to be born again, it's a second chance at life and starting uh, life in a different way. And that's what I want to, I labeled my, uh, title of my message this morning is Second Chance, or Second Chances, because we serve a God of second chances. You hear me? We serve a God of second chances. Any, anyone in here ever messed up since you've been born again? I could even say, did we mess up this morning? Probably so. We, we all did. We're not perfect. On our best day without Christ, we still fall way short of the glory of God. Amen. We always make mistakes. We're human. Again, we know, we know that, but God has always, throughout this book, is God using people that had issues, except Jesus Christ. People, every single person in this book made a mistake except Christ. They stumbled. They had what I, what I call setbacks in their life. They, they made a poor choice at some time uh, in their life. But I want you to know that God is always after you to come back to him. And this is what you need to understand today. When you make a mistake in your life, which we will and we do, either one thing's going to happen. God's going to take it and turn it for good in your life or the enemy's going to take it and destroy your life. But the choice is up to you. One of the two things are going to happen. It's either going to build you in Christ up, that you made a mistake, you recognize what you've done, or you're going to let the enemy destroy you with it. And that's where we, we find ourselves. So second chances. I, I, I thank God he's a God of second chances. Amen? Amen. So if you would, get, you could get your Bibles out. Or you could open it. Um, again, if you have your Bibles, you could open the Second Timothy chapter 4. I'll be... Uh, Touching on a place there later on this morning that's not in your notes. Um, this message I was going to speak last week, but I wasn't able to be here, so I got a second chance at preaching it. So it's got to be, it's all, all working together. Second chances here. So let's just go to the Lord in prayer right now as we get started. Father, I just come to you today. And Father, I lift up each and every person in the sound of my voice right now, Father. I just pray, Father God, that every blind eye be open this morning, that every deaf ear be open to hear the truth this morning, every blind eye to see the truth, every mind to comprehend your truth, Father God, and every heart be ready to receive your word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone says, Amen. Second chances, Amen. How I many, again, if you're glad God gave you a second chance, 
raise your hand. How many of you know we're really on like second, third, fourths, and fifths, and sixths? It's second chance squared, uh, you know, all those things that we go through in life because we all make mistakes. But God has always used people. God uses imperfect people because we all have sin in our life to carry out his mission. And that's the important thing is that what I want you to grab today and understand that one or two things are going to happen in your life. When you make a mistake, God's going to use it to grow you or you're going to allow the enemy to come in and destroy you with it. And that's what we need to understand this morning. The Bible is full of people that made mistakes. We can start with the very first two. Adam and Eve, right? Made a mistake. But guess what? Did God say too bad? Y'all going for good? We, we see from the very first relation that God had with humans was they made a mistake. And guess who what God says, I want to give you another chance. So he protects them from the garden. He, puts, uh, he sacrifices animals, makes of skins to, to hide their nakedness. And he moves them from the garden so they don't touch from the tree of life and, begin, and stay in that condition forever. And uh, what he does is he puts them out and he, get, he makes the way through Jesus Christ for them to come back into that relationship. God's always been a God of second chances and he always will be. Let's take of another one. What about Abraham? Abraham is known as who? The father of what? The father of our fate. Okay, so let's ask that question again. Now you know the answer. Abraham is known as the father of our fate. Now, did you know he lied? Think about this. See, when he went to a nation, him and his wife, Sarah, she was beautiful, and he knew the king would probably be attracted to his wife. So instead of saying, she's my wife and the king might kill me, he says, I'm just going to tell him she's my sister. You see, sometimes pressure in life, causes us to make bad decisions, poor decisions. And Abraham was found himself in a pressured situation as I might die and he ends up lying. Anybody in here ever told a lie? If you didn't raise your hand, you're lying right now. So you could raise your hand next time I ask. Okay? So we understand that. Adam and Eve, you, and we're talking about different things. Uh, Abraham stumbled because of pressures of life. Uh, Adam and Eve kind of done it out of greed. They wanted, you know, they, they seen they wanted to be more like God. It was about embellishing themselves, so they made a poor decision. So you see, I, I could sin in different ways and fall short in different ways. And not everything's a sin when, when we uh, think about this. Uh, a sin is when you deliberately choose to do something that you know is wrong. But how many of you have ever felt bad that, you know what, maybe I didn't trust God like I should have? Anybody in here ever worry? The rest of you are lying again. Man. Anybody in here ever worried? There you go. All right. I understand. Okay. So we understand we worry. And when we worry, we're not trusting God. The pressures of situations go on. And so I could also feel bad, feel like I let down that God, I did not trust you enough in this situation, right? And we learn from those things in life that, you know, as you become a Christian longer and longer, you think back on the things, God, I remember when there seemed to be no way, but you made a way right here. 
God, I remember when you were so faithful that I thought my world was going to fall apart. I didn't know the way out, but you were so faithful and you continued. How God is faithful in our life. And then uh, what about Jonah? We, we, we talked about him. He willingly, again, was sinned, did not want to go share what God wanted him to share, so he was running from God. But ended up, God used, ended up using him. So there's so many people. What about Paul? God used Paul to write most of the New Testament. But yet, Paul persecuted the church, probably was guilty of murdering believers. How many of you know that's a second chance? That God would take someone who was persecuting, uh, speaking against Jesus Christ, uh, killing people who were uh, proclaiming Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But yet God could use him. Because God is a God of second chances. God always wants to give us a second chance. So I want to read a few verses of scripture here this morning. And I want you to realize, again, when I'm going to be talking about grace and mercy here for, for a second. Grace and mercy are not licenses to sin. Grace and mercy is not God saying it's okay to sin. Because even as a believer, you're going to stand in judgment before God for every thought, every action, everything you've done, and everything you have not done that God has called you and told you to do. So I, I want you to be clear of this, but notice what Ephesians uh, 2, 8 and 9 says. For it is by grace. Grace is something you don't earn. It's something that's given to you. And that song was perfect that we was worshiping to is I don't deserve it. It's something we don't deserve. He says you have been saved by grace and uh, that you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works so that anyone could boast. And this message goes and scripture goes so perfectly with communion today. Because when you're going to come up this morning and receive the, the, the grape juice and the, and the bread representing Christ's life, it's you're receiving the gift of God, the grace of God, that is that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. His body was beaten, his uh, blood, he was nailed to the cross for the forgiveness of your sins. And this morning when you're coming up, it's symbolically in the natural representing what took place. That you're receiving the price that was paid for your sins. That's why Jesus said at the Last Supper, He says, you, we've been doing this Passover meal and you've been thinking about when the, the Passover lamb with Moses and all uh, happened uh, as a sacrifice. But He says, from now on, do this in remembrance of what? Me. His body. Lamentations 3, 21 and 23 says this, Yet this I call to mind, this is what we need to keep remembering, and, and this is what I want you to understand. When, when, you, when you fail, when you, you trip up, when you make a mistake, you need to call this back into your mind, that therefore I have hope, because I have hope because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For His compassions, or that in other versions it says mercies, for His compassions never, say that word, never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And I love the way it says they are new every morning because every day we make mistakes and we need to start again. Every day we're human and we make mistakes. 
So every day his mercies and compassions are new in our lives. In other words, he's telling you every day I want you to understand I'm giving you another chance. Come on, he's wanting you to change your life and not let the enemy destroy you. (coughs) Excuse me. So I want you to understand that, and this is what what I'm going to kind of set this as, don't allow setbacks in your life to keep you from a comeback in your life. Don't allow a setback, a mistake, to keep you from a comeback to God. See, God wants you to come back to Him, repent and come back to Him. The enemy wants to hold that over your head and destroy you because he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants to say you're not worth... God can't forgive you for that. You hang on to that and you're walking around. You're not walking around in freedom. You're walking around in guilt in your life. Depression comes upon you and all these things because you feel you're not worthy. Well, guess what? None of us are. But we need to understand that the enemy wants to destroy you and kill you for what you've done. But God's saying, hey, no, 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 no. My mercies and compassion are new every day. So don't allow that setback to keep you from a comeback. Again, God will use your failures to grow us, to mature us, to teach us. The enemy, Satan, wants to use your failures to destroy you, to kill you. But it's your choice, and I'm going to kind of show you through Scripture today a few things of of allowing God to... uh, We don't want to ever have setbacks, but we probably all will. But I just want to let you know, when you have your setback, please come back. Don't let the enemy uh, destroy you. Look, look what Psalms 40, verse uh, tw- 2 and 3 says. I love this. He lifted me out of the pit. When I'm in that mess, when I, when I, I fall short, when I, when I mess up, it is He that gives me the second chance. It's not me getting myself out of the pit, it's Him it says, he, he lifted me out of the slimy pit of mud and mire, and he set my feet on the rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Notice how it, he kind of changes. You're in the mud and mire, and oh, me, oh, my, my life's horrible. But he says, I'm going to pull you out of that, and I'm also going to change the song in your mouth. I'm going to give you a song of praise in your mouth. It changes everything. It says, and many will see and fear and put uh, their trust in the Lord. And so as we move on from this right now, this morning, I want you to understand, I'm going to use the example of two uh, people in the New Testament, two of Jesus' disciples, to show the difference of what happens when they stumbled. Can I tell you all 12 of Jesus' disciples assembled? All 12 fell short. All 12 messed up. Even Jesus, when he was with them, said, How much longer can I put up with you guys, with your little faith, and do these things? They they fell short in many ways. And the first one I'm going to mention is Judas, which everybody, you know, Both these, Judas and Peter, is who I'm going to be talking about today. And we're going to see the difference. And both of them stumbled, both of them fell, but one got destroyed and one went along to serve God. And the key is, what did they do, their response? 
And I want you to notice that, you know, we kind of give Judas a bad rap and don't see that, that uh, you know, out of his greed, because he's sending out of his greed wanting to collect money for say, basically just saying, yeah, he's Jesus. That's all he did. Think about it. They paid him to say, make sure we arrest the right one. So all, all Judas basically done was take 30 silver coins to say, yeah, that's Jesus. But notice, when uh, Matthew 27, verses 3 through 5 says this, when Judas, who had betrayed him, now notice this, saw that Jesus was condemned, when he realized what he had done by turning Jesus over and seeing that Jesus was going to be condemned, notice what happens. He was seized with remorse. Remorse means distress. In other words, he said, how in the world could I have done this? And I think if he, he could have had it to do again, he wouldn't have. But his greed got in. He was greedy for the money and different things. And we, understand, we see that sometimes greed, wanting something in our life, makes us make a bad choice. But it says he was filled with remorse. And then notice this. He says, and he returned the pieces of silver, the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders. He didn't even keep it. it, it talk about starting a repentance, it's turning around, trying to make what, what you've done wrong, right? He, said, I, I can't, he says, here, I don't want this. I can't believe I've done that. I can't believe I made a stupid mistake like I did. What was I thinking? Anybody ever been there? And notice what verse 4 says. He admits. He says, I have sinned. He says, I have sinned, for I have betrayed innocent blood. And then the, the priests and elders say, well, what is this to us? They replied, that is your responsibility. Then the next verse says this. So Judas threw the money into the temple and left. He returned it. He admitted he was a sinner. He knew he messed up. He's living with this remorse. But what happens? He went off and hanged himself. See, he never brought it to God. The enemy got a hold of him and said, you're not, you're not worthy to live. You're not worthy. You see, he allowed his setback to destroy him. He allowed the enemy, instead of turning it back to God. Now, let's look at uh, Peter, a few things. I'm going to look at a few things where, where Peter uh, fell short. Now, again, uh, Judas, we talked about, was outright sin. He decided to, to you know, to rat on Jesus for 30 pieces of silver about his greed. But then we're going to see here uh, Peter uh, having a lack of faith at one time. This is when Peter was walking on the water. Again, song this morning, walk, we're going to be walking on the waves, dancing on the waves. It says this, Shortly before dawn, Jesus went to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. Okay, all of them were scared. They said, it's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. 
But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. And then only Peter says, replied, tell, Lord, if it is you, tell me to come to you on the water. Now most of us start, we go into, we see Peter take a few steps and then he begins to sink. But can I tell you something? All the other disciples were guilt, more guilty than Peter of ha not having enough faith. Peter was the only one that had enough faith to step out the comfort of the boat and step out, out the boat on the water. None of the others did. They didn't have enough faith to even do that. You see, and sometimes that's where Peter gets a bad rap. We think, oh, he, he went down. Has anybody in here ever walked across Bayou Lafourche? No. It says, uh, verse 29, he says, Jesus told him, come. It says, uh, he said, then Peter got down out the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he became afraid. When he seen the, the circumstances of life, the pressures of life, and he began to sink. But notice what he does. He cried out what? Lord, save me. His lack of faith, he started sinking, but... Instead of just panicking, because I believe if he wouldn't have cried out, Lord, save me, he would have just went sunk like a stone. But you see, in his failure, in his setback of not trusting Jesus, because Jesus said, come walk on the water. And he takes a few steps, but then chaos all around, he starts worrying, and he begins not having enough faith to walk on the water, although he was the only one to have enough faith to get out on the water. And he begins sinking. And instead of panicking about the waves, looking toward men, hey, pull me back in the boat, what does he do? He brought his set back to Jesus. He said, Lord, save me. I know my faith wasn't enough, but you could save me. And I, I love what it goes on to say. Immediately. Not after a while, Jesus didn't let him in there till he was about on his last bubble trying to think. It says immediately, as soon as he said, Lord, save me. But not until he said, Lord, save me. Jesus reaches down and pulls him up. You see, we need to reach out to God. I think Judas should have turned and said, oh God, Please forgive me. See, Judas went back to the priest in the temple and was confessing to them, not to God. He knew he sinned. He knew he messed up. But the burden, the weight of these things, he never turned it back to God and said, God, can you forgive me? Verse 31, immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. And what he tells him, you of little faith. Now, is that a compliment? No. In other words, there's a setback. He's saying you had too little faith. And that's what we say. When we worry, when we allow life situations, which is normal, we're human beings, we all go through that, but that's why we all have setbacks in our life that sometimes we say, God, I just didn't trust you enough. I feel bad. God, you came through again. 
You've never let me down before, and I didn't trust you in this situation, and you've come through again. Anybody guilty? So let's go to uh, the more uh, famous scripture that I talk about where Peter actually disowns Jesus, where, um, again, right before this, you realize that they were in the Garden of Gethsemane, and Jesus asks, the, asks Peter and the others to pray for him, and guess what happens? They fall asleep instead of praying. Again, a setback. Again, we failed you, Jesus. We failed ourselves. We should be praying, but here we are tired and sleeping. Can I tell you sometimes the stresses of life make you make a bad decision? So we've gone from that point. Another, another you could say, failure or setback in Peter's life. Notice what he goes on to say. Then seizing him, this is when they arrested Jesus, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Now, I don't want to get tied up here, but what happens was because they were uh, believers, that the, uh, things that the, the Jewish people had their own court system. So that's why he went to the chief priests and things where he stood uh, a trial there. And then he went to the Roman things because the problem was with the Jewish leaders, uh, the Romans would not allow them to put someone to death. They could punish them any way they wanted, but they were not allowed to put them to death. So they, the, they held this trial and said, yeah, basically he needs to die, so now we need to move him up to a Roman trial where they could uh, start doing those things. But that, that's why it just talks about that uh, went to the house of the high priest. And notice what it says. Peter followed at a distance. Let me stop us here. What's going on there? We're about to notice how Peter fell short, how Peter had a setback. But if I'm reading this, only Peter was brave enough to go. What about the rest? Well, Judas already hung himself. Where's the other ten? You see, sometimes Peter gets a bad rap because he's pointed out and all these things, but all the other disciples were having all these failures and setbacks in their own. Only Peter was brave enough to actually go to the trial, trial with them. And then it says this, Peter followed out of distance, and when, some of, and when some there had kindled the fire in the middle of the courtyard, and had sat down together. Notice this next statement. Peter sat down with them. I want you to circle that. Peter sat down with them. And a servant girl saw him and seated uh, there in, in the firelight. She uh, looked closely at him and said, this man was with him. In other words, this man was with Jesus. He's just as guilty. He has a part. He's on his team. They're on the same team. He should be going to court too. But uh, Peter denied and said, Woman, I don't know him, he said. And I want to pause here for a second. Peter began to feel the pressures again. Because his life could be taken. Maybe he'll go on trial with Jesus. Maybe he'll be crucified. Maybe he'll be killed. Maybe he'll be put in jail for knowing Jesus. But yet he was the only one brave enough to follow Jesus there. But notice it says that Peter surrounded himself with those other people. 
Can I tell you, you better be careful who you surround yourself with? Because other people could pressure you. See, if that girl would have never, that, those people around him would have never asked him that question, he would have never denied. He didn't want to deny, but he has a setback. The pressure that he was feeling with that question made him say, no, I don't know him. Let this sink in. If you get around the wrong people and allow the wrong people in your life, they could pressure you to do things that you normally would not do. See, your relationship with people, you have to look at it this way. Are you bringing them closer to God? Are they bringing you closer to God? Or are they actually bringing you away from God when you get around them? So you have to make sure you you are strong enough and grounded enough in Christ before you let certain people in your life. Because if you're not careful, those people will pull you away. The pressure, the peer pressure they're putting on you will make you make a decision to do something that you normally would not do. And where you find yourself in a setback. God, I failed you again. Now, I'm going to take a break from this and I want to read 2 Timothy chapter 4. Because I I want to tie this into what I believe is happening in America right now. Is the church is getting pressure on it to conform to the way the world wants it to conform than than to conforming to what God says. You hear me? The world, the government, and all these things are trying to get the church to conform to what it believes and to, uh, for us to deny what God says. I think this is, a, this is being more fulfilled today than ever in verse uh, 1, 2 Timothy chapter 4. In the presence of God, and notice what he's charging Timothy, and this is what I'm taking. He says, in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who will do what? He will judge the living and the dead. We will all stand before God and give an account for everything we do in life. He says, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, he says, I give you this charge. This is what you are to do. And this is what I'm doing right now to you. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. And this is the next thing. Correct. In other words, when people are doing wrong things, correct and rebuke. It says, doesn't, don't accept it because everybody's doing it. Because everybody believes this. Because, it, because this is offending someone. You see, the, the, uh, to rebuke something means a stern disapproval act. He says, correct and rebuke, but then he says, to, and also encourage. In other words, try to guide them back to the truth. And it says this, uh, with great patience and careful instruction. Now notice what this is, and this is what I see happening. For a time will come when people, and I, I believe some people who, who are Christian, who confess to serve God, are falling into this trap. For a time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. 
In other words, I know it says it in the Bible, but everybody's doing it. It's just what culture does. Well, we don't live by culture. We live by the Word of God. And it says, A time's coming that they will not put up with uh, sound doctrine. Uh, instead, to suit their own desires. What they want. God, we know what you want, but we think times has changed. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers And we see this today in many churches that pastors are even contradicting the Word of God to go along with society. It says they will grab a a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. In other words, that they will say, your sin is okay. Because I don't want to offend you by calling your sin, sin. Verse 4 says, they will turn their ears away from the truth. Away from the word of God and turn aside to myths. Things that, myths, myths are things that they make up. I know God says this is wrong, but how can it be? How can, what's wrong with this? See, they believe what they want to believe. But if God says it's wrong, it's wrong. There's pastors and things even today beginning to say that abortion is okay, that killing lives is okay. You'll see it in the news. They they had one guy elected, he's a pastor, he was elected, and I think from Georgia, I'm going to call him out right now. They could cancel this show, I don't care. (laughs) He believes abortion's okay. He's a pastor. Believes that gay marriage is okay. Can I tell you they're surrounding themselves with people and putting people in office that are to do what their itchy, sinful ears want to hear? Better wake up, church. It says they will, verse 4, they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths, but you... If you're a true believer, keep your head in all situations. Don't let the pressure of them change what you're preaching and are believing. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist and discharge all the duties of your ministry. And this is what I want you to understand. Another thing is that they don't... Oh my goodness. It's offensive if you say amen at the end of a prayer. It, they actually prayed that in one of the government things. It said, and, and their prayer came to the end and said, and amen and a woman. You can't make this stuff up. Amen. When amen is spoken at, at the end of a prayer, it has nothing to do with a biological man. Men. Amen. It's a Hebrew word, A-M-E-N, meaning truth. So let it be. But people are getting so offended that they want you to say amen and a woman. 
This is happening in the United States right now. It's ridiculous. People are turning away from the truth, believing culture, everything else, and guess what? They're going to pressure, they're going to try and pressure the church to conform to their beliefs, what their itchy ears want to hear, how they want everything to be. Let's get going. We've got to get going. What verse are we on? Verse 58. A little later, someone else saw him and said, You are one of them. He says, Man, I am not. Peter replied, verse 59, About an hour later, one of them asserted, Certainly. Justin Wilson would have said, I guarantee this fellow was with him. For he is a Galilean. You already know Justin Wilson's uh, ancestors came from there. Right? <laughs> he says, I guarantee this fellow was with him. For he is a Galilean. And Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. And Jesus turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me. Three times. See, that moment we know we made that mistake. What you're going to do. He goes on to say the next verse, and he went outside and wept bitterly. But I want you to understand that Peter never gave up. Peter had a lot of great comebacks in life. He had a lot of setbacks. We have a lot of setbacks in life, but we need to keep having comebacks in your life. And I just want to quickly go through these things, three things. It's how, how to take a setback, change a setback into a comeback. And the very first thing is bring it to God. Bring it to God. Give it to God. Own it. And bring it to God. Remember Peter said, Lord, save me. That's the key. You see, Judas never went back to God. It's human. Can I tell you, here's the, here's the slippery slope. The more you sin, the less you want to be around God. Right? Adam and Eve sinned. Guess what happened? Where they used to make the VA in the middle, in the cool of the day in the afternoon, they hid from God when he came. See, sin wants to bring us away. And the more sin you got, the harder it is that you're wanting to go back to God. And So as soon as it happens, the second that, that you know you need to bring it to God and say, Lord, save me. God, I'm sorry. 1 John 1, 8 and 9 says this. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. We're liars, in other words, uh, uh, and the truth is not in us. But notice what he says. But if we confess our sins, if we bring it to God, only if we bring it to him, then he is faithful and just and will do what? Forgive our sins and purify us or cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, only until I bring it to him can that happen. If I never bring it to him, I can't be forgiven for it. So it says bring it to him. Own it. Admit it. Can I tell you something? You're not, when, you, when you tell God, oh God, I fell short and this happened, He's not going to, oh! I didn't know that. He already knows. You see, it's like the prodigal son. Perfect example. 
was when the son left, the father was always waiting for him to come back. The father already had the robe, the rings, everything to make the feast when he was coming back. But it wasn't until the son was in the pig pen that it says that he came to himself. In other words, he owned it and realized, I have sinned against my father and I have sinned against God. And he starts returning to the father. And when the father sees him, what happens? The father runs and meets him. See, God is a God of second chances. Everything you see, we understand, we mess up, we have setbacks in life. The enemy wants you to stay set back and destroy you. But God wants you to come back. Don't let your setbacks keep you from a comeback. Amen. So number two is we need, once you bring it to God, you, begin, you need to again dwell in God's love. Stay in God's love. Know God loves you. Again, there is nothing you can do wrong or right that will make God love you more or less. His love's unconditional. He, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He doesn't love our sin. He doesn't approve of our sin. But His love is not conditional like we know love. A lot of times, human love is, well, I love you if you're doing what I want you to do. If you're acting the way, acting the way I want you to act. But if you're not doing what I, I, I want, I don't love you quite so much. See, God's not that way. God loves you in, unconditionally. Again, He does not want you to sin. He does not approve of your sin. He does not like your sin. But He loves you just the same. So I know when I have a setback, I need to realize God still loves me. Romans 8, 35 through 39 says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Let me tell you, the only one who can, who does, is ourself. We have to accept love from somebody else. Somebody can love you, but you, you, could, you could push them back. You could build a wall up between them, and you'll never feel their love. And that's what the enemy wants you to do, is you have a setback, and he, he wants you to begin thinking like Judas. You messed up, there's no way back. But that's not what God says. What can separate us from Christ's love? Shall trouble, when we make bad decisions, hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we uh, face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Verse 37 says, No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither present nor future, nor any powers, nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So when you have a setback, God does not quit loving you. So don't remove yourself from his love. While we were sinners, he sent Christ to die for us. So dwell, bring your sin to God, dwell in his love, and the last thing is learn from it and let it go. Learn from it and let it go. Let God use the situation you were in. Again, he does not want you to mess up, 
But when we do, when we have that setback, learn from it. It's, re- it's sad when some people make the same mistake over and over and over again. See, there's nothing wrong with making a mistake. The, the problem is, is when you make the same mistake over again, and especially if you make it again expecting a different result. Learn from it and let it go. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that in all things, in our setbacks, God works for those, for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. Let God build you up, mature you as you, as you go through that. Now, Brother Mark, if you'd uh, go get uh, Michelle's, well, Michelle's here, so it's Erica back there. Get our class as we come up for communion in a minute here. Proverbs 24, 15, and 16 says this. I put verse 15 because there's some do not do's in there, but verse 16 is really what I want to talk about. It says, do not lurk like a a thief near a house of the righteous. Do not plunder their dwelling. But verse 16 says this, for though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again, but the wicked stumble when calamity strikes. No matter how many times you stumble, dust yourself off, get back up, bring it to God immediately. You hear me? Bring it to God immediately. Know that God does not hate you, that he still loves you. Ask him to forgive you so he cleanses you of all that unrighteousness. Now, this is different than willing to sin and saying, oh, I'm just going to keep asking him to forgive me. That's different. You understand? To say, oh, I'm I'm, I'm going to go cheat on my wife, then I'm going to ask God to forgive me. It don't work that way. Okay? It's when you make a mistake in your life, you have to bring it to God immediately. Because if you don't, if you don't bring it to God, the enemy is going to sink his claws into you and try and bring you down. Let me t- share with you. God does not run away from runaways. You hear me? God does not run away from runaways. The prodigal son ran away, but the father was there waiting for him. And the father ran to him. So remember, when you stumble, God's not running away from you. He wants to turn your setback into a comeback. You hear me? Let God turn your setback into a comeback. Give it to him. Amen. Let's stand to our feet right now as we get ready to receive communion this morning. Ask everyone just to bow your head and close your eyes. And I want you to just begin to think and let God speak to you. If there's ever anything that you know you fell short, that there's things in your life that you need to ask him to forgive you for. There are probably, there's some in here right now that the enemy has been beating you up. There's some in, uh, listening on Facebook right now that the enemy has been beating you up over something going on in your life. And you can't let it go. You can't forgive yourself. You don't think God will ever forgive you. But I want to tell you that's a lie from the pits of hell. Bring it to God just right now. Ask God to forgive you. Give it to him. Let it go and grow from it. And dwell in God's love today. Let him take that setback in your life 
and turn it into a comeback where he could use you. God, Peter was used very mightily in the New Testament after those failures and different things that he went through. But Peter knew one thing is always to return to Christ. So as we get ready to receive communion today, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you that opportunity here right now. You don't have to be a member of Christian Fellowship Church to receive communion, but you do need to be a born-again believer because what this actually symbolizes the body and blood of Jesus Christ. So if you've never accepted the Lord as your Savior, I just ask everyone just to say this simple prayer with me today. Online and those in here say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today and I admit that I have many setbacks in my life. But I believe that you love me so much that you sent your son to die on the cross so I could receive the gift of salvation through his body and blood. I ask Christ to come into my life, to be Lord of my life from this day forward. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody says, Amen. What we're going to do is, Brother Darren's going to start uh, some music on the CD. We'll ask for uh, social distancing. Please just come up the two side aisles. One member per family. Please get all the communion uh, emblems you need for your family uh, to hold down on the traffic. Come up the side aisles and then go back down the uh, middle aisle. Too. I may know we were once lost, but because of a second chance, we're found. And we go through those battles daily, but God is a God of second chances. 
Can I get an amen? Amen. I just want to read from Luke chapter 22, starting in verse 14. It says, When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks. Take this and divide it amongst you. For I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you, and do this in remembrance of me. The same way after supper, he took the cup, saying, This is the cup of, of the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Father, we come to you today. And Father, we never want to take for granted the precious price that was paid for each and every one of us. We receive your mercy and grace today through Jesus Christ. Help us, Father God, to walk in our comebacks. Not to allow the enemy to keep us down in our setbacks. But that we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. That your love never fades, never dwindles. Your love is constant and sure. And there we can place our hope. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. At this time you can receive the emblems. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, as we get ready to dismiss this morning, Father, I lift up each and every person in the sound of my voice, and I just pray for them right now, Father God. Father, I bind the enemy off their life right now, Father. As the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, Father, I pray right now that they would feel your forgiveness, Father God, as we bring to you our setbacks in life. We know and claim to your promise that you are faithful to cleanse us and uh, forgive us of all unrighteousness. And Father, from this day forward, we're going to be walking in our comeback and not living in our setback. You hear me? We're going to be walking in our comeback and not living and being stuck in the miry mud of our setback because you're the one that wants to lift us out and place our feet on solid ground. In Jesus' mighty and precious name we pray, and everyone says... Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. God bless you. We love you. Amen. Remember, be a light in the community. Amen. God bless you.